0: Well, it's my privilege mm-hmm. to welcome John and Christine this evening and I'm looking forward to them sharing their story mm-hmm. and I'll invite you both just now to come and do just that. To
1: the be wondering who this old couple is that's struggling up onto the platform can be explained in a moment or two. And let me say it's a great privilege for Christine and I to come along tonight and just to simply sit with you and share something about our journey of faith, how we could see it, how the Lord has led us and kept us and how he, he has brought us through certain situations in life. And I hope that in some measure maybe that will be helpful to some of you who are sitting here this evening. I have to say first of all, of course to Peter, it's a great privilege to see Peter again And Lucy. They're big guests coming up and it's lovely to be with him tonight. And uh, so many people from the church. Said to me this morning, make sure you tell Peter, I'm thinking about him and I'm praying for him. So rather than go through all of those people, Peter, I just said on behalf of the church. Just a few verses I want to read to you for a moment, and you'll see why in a moment or two. I want to read just a few verses in John 14, and this will set for me my testimony. John 14, verse 1 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go ye know, and the way ye know. Come asith unto him, Lord. We know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Many years ago I was born and brought up in Crookstown. I often refer to Crookstown as God's own Country. But that's where I came from and uh, I was brought up in a home a home where there were six of us as children, just five died and a sister died very suddenly just a couple of years ago and although we were brought up in a good home, it was by no means a Christian home I suppose it was a religious home my father was involved in various aspects of the life of the church that we were brought up in but I can honestly say I didn't ever hear the gospel being preached as a child the first time I heard the gospel was actually sitting way over in a, a, a field before the houses were built and in Russia in Cookstown where we were brought up. And I remember two men coming out from the local Baptist church and they came out with what was called the Wordless Book. And I remember sitting on the grass listening to these men explaining to us the way of salvation. So I heard that as a young child i don't think there ever was a time when i didn't realize that i was a sinner in the sight of god christine tell us something about your background and family
2: um, well i was um my parents were farmers so i was growing up in farming community and so i became many more cooks and as children i was sent very briefly to Sunday school uh, between church, church, church in the morning and that was a condition of any meetings, our meetings um, and I suppose as children um, we have a very happy carefree childhood. Uh, uh, or my father always is sort a of very small Catholic than every one of us um, was myself, I do, he's my two brothers and my daughter, I have a young brother 49, a daddy very very 17 years back but as children grow up, we always have jobs to do. And um, there's something that I've always said if you grow them in the country, there's something so special and never take it for granted. There's um, just something so wonderful growing up, I've got lots out in the countryside. Um, God's creation and everything there, so I'd uh, be very appreciative of that. Yeah. Secondary school, um, and really that was life. But God was never part of our uh, lives. Um, my family weren't Christians, and um, so you know, life was just as it was. Uh, it was this whole world was in front of you, and as you grew older, you had more expectations, more dreams of what you were going to do, and uh, God never was part of it.
1: A Christian was on to a life stopper. But I haven't had to do that yet, that's the first one. But no, the two of us then, that's sort of our background. Um, I was always sent along to Sunday school on a Sunday afternoon, to Christian Baptist Church, and I have a number of men, some of them are in the glory today, who actually taught me in Sunday school. The times that I actually stayed in for Sunday school, most of the time, you snowed, sent me outside, and I waited to get the bus home. But well, I realized at that stage that there wasn't God, I was a sinner, and I needed a Savior. But whenever you're growing up, you know, you get through the secondary school age, any thought of God, things like that just disappear from your mind. I was brought up in the world of tight bands and fruit pans and um, that really was my life for a number of years. I... Along with four other fellows, started the Sons of William Clip Band in Creechstown. I said that was a shame. But that's what I was doing in those days. That was my life. Uh, apart from that, I met Hockey and did various things as I was growing up, of course, in life. But this was all a life I had before I met Christian. So let me tell you how then from there I became a Christian. I remember as I was growing up there were a number of things that happened to me and I knew now that I didn't know then that God had been speaking to me. I remember how on one occasion playing uh, hockey we were coming out to, to be through two one day and the IRA shot over the top of the car into the police station and there were four of us playing like, a good size lying on the floor of the mini waiting for the gunfire to stop. And I remember we were coming back from the hockey match in London and we were never, never as pleased when it started it stopped and we moved on in the car, we got home to Cookstown. But the very next week we were back for a replay. And I remember on our way home that time I remember we were going down to the Royal Hotel. That was the thing you did. Unfortunately, you played your hockey. The team went down to the hotel. You tried to eat something. And just for some reason, I said to Johnny March, who was actually driving the car, I was sitting in the front seat, the passenger side, and I uh, said, Johnny, I don't want to go down. Stop the car. I'm going home I'm going to a shower and change, and then I'll come down. So there's a fellow in the back seat, two boys in fact who had been with us the previous week as well. One of them now is a nurse over in Australia. The other fellow, he got into the front seat where I'd been sitting. Me and the other fellow the other way up. It was just a very short walk up to where we lived in Wynne And then somebody came within a matter of minutes really and knocked the door and said to me, did you hear about the shooting? I said, no, was of the shooting. And he said, yes, there was a shooting and then he turned around and he mentioned the two men by name, and they had been shot. One of them had been shot. The other was grazed. The two policemen were shot. One of them actually lost the leg as a result of the shooting. And the <coughs> fellow who was shot was actually the fellow that attended to my seat that day when I got out of the car. You know, sometimes God speaks to you, and you don't really listen. The time passed a little bit. I was playing with a pipe band, loved the pipe band, and we were playing mm-hmm. on a Remembrance Sunday and I remember we go to Coke, we played the drummer's call and everything at the cenotaph and we came back in again to Cookstown and again we, we, we did the drummers call and all of those things had passed and whenever we were finished With the parade, we all went back into the British region in Coochstown, which was just next door to the local Baptist church. We'd all been uh, sitting inside there, and it had been a good day of parading, and then we were all in having a drink on the Sunday night. And the next thing, this man came to the door, and he he said to the barman, he said, who left that cave outside the door? He said, I could hardly get in. And of course, nobody knew anything about this, but we realised that While we were all inside, somebody had arrived and planted a bomb outside the door of the British Legion. So all of a sudden, everybody started to get people out through the other door. And the father who had been in the British Legion, he was the chairman for over 30 years at that time. And he said to me, he says, where's Mr. Espy? I said, I haven't seen him, so we went to look for him. And when we went to look for them, we went right through the hall to the back door where the bomb was, and this man was an old army man. And he was bent over the cake, and he actually lifted the cake. And I remember clearly putting my two hands over my ears and closing my eyes. Not that it would have done any good, but he dropped the bomb, and it never went off. And the father and i carried it out through out through the other door there was a lady standing on the step who couldn't move and she was as white as anything and we discovered when we looked down that she had actually seen the second bomb, sitting on the step that everybody else had walked over so we had to get her carry her out. i still had the kilt on which wasn't a pretty sight so i had her rub in next door to the church where i had gone to sunday school and tell them to get out because there were two bombs. And literally, literally, three or four minutes after that, both bombs went off. And I remember sitting, shaking, with the noise of the bombs. Yet never thought once about my soul. Involved in another bomb, over a in coming from another high band practice. And then, of course, my brother could see it, and he had been what you and I would term in He was a white man, and he could see it. And he started to encourage me to think about spiritual things, come with him to the meetings, but I really had no interest. Do you know, when God speaks to you and you don't listen, God may speak in a way that you never expect. Christian and I, to this stage, had been married. Our first child came along. The little girl's name was Karen. I remember one morning, I was a butcher by this time in Uniport in Cookstown, and I remember going out one morning and I went into the little girl's room and I looked in to see everything. She so wasn't moving and I thought, that's fine. Right, I said to Christine on the way out, I says, just you eye on because Karen's quite comfortable. So I went on to the work and I remember it was a quarter to nine in the morning. We broke off for our break. And I remember sitting there when my foreman walked in. Now, I used to do some cutting up of pigs for people to put it in the freezer. And I'd borrowed three knives, who were nearly done, but it was wrong. I should have took them, but I thought the foreman was coming over to tell me all for what I had done. But he came over and he asked me outside. And I knew the man well because he used to be our next door neighbor, and he was a foreman in the factory. And he said, John, something's not right at home. And he started to cry. Uh, and I knew he wasn't going to answer me. And I said, really, is it the wife? Shook his head. I said, Is it the baby? And he just burst into tears. And I went across, it was one of our neighbors standing at the gate. I got the work of high school. He lifted me, brought me home, and I found Christine at home and her little child of just seven and a half months lying dead in her cot. And I can tell you this, for the first time in my life, I was faced with death. But you know what? Even that didn't move me because I blame God. And people would say to me, but your God loves you. And I used to say, God loves me? Are you telling me God loves me yet Look what he did. And I went gone on for a long time like that just totally rebellious against God. But one day I came into work and I'd been at a mission. The mission had stopped and I had been really, really miserable but I didn't realize that I actually had been under conviction of sin. And I remember that upstairs there was a fellow across from me We were boning hands and he looked at me and he said, You're miserable looking. I said, I am. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And he said to me, you need Christ. You need Christ. I was working in a, a room with 30 men and I burst into tears. I didn't know what to do or to say. So I went down the stairs into the killing passage into the four man's room. And he was a Christian. And I went in. there was a Bible sitting on his desk. And I the Christ. But it said on John 14, let not your heart be troubled. He you believe in God? But he walked so me and I read those words. Later on that day, a fellow came to me and he said, Will you come out to church with me to Willie the Cray on Sunday night? I says, Well, I don't think so. Oh, he says, Come and come back to my house for supper. And I'm sitting in a room where there were probably three, three, fifty people. Work was finished waiting to clock out. He opened the door and everything stopped. Oh, quiet. And he shouted at me, He says, What happens? if you're not here something. Sunday like. night. Of course I first into the tears again when outside, going up the road, another Christian I was on a bike, he pulled me and bought me a Bible. I went home, Christian, that night. We were going to a dinner dance for the band and I went down to get ready and I left the Bible sitting on the bed and I came to the Bible, I clicked it twice, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I didn't know how to pray, but I got down in the knees that night, and I trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. That was the 13th of March in 1981. And I can tell you this, what a difference that made in my life. How did you be seen?
2: Well I don't know why you talked back a bit and that uh, um, I had left school um maybe yeah, I hadn't left school but I was home one Sunday afternoon being at my grandmother's and I went to the wee shop in the rush. Um, I can't remember what I was going into yet, but whenever I come out this bell said to me, Oh Christine. I remember looking back and thinking, How clear who you are? I thought, oh, I'm going to take you home and introduce you my mother. <laughs> 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 so I just was being very, very careful because he's by my side <laughs> uh, tonight. Um, but whenever I met John, uh, Billy had a really good And I think this was the first time that I was made aware of heaven and hell. Um, I was made aware that I had sin in my life and sin would never enter heaven. And if I wanted my sins forgiven, I had to trust the Lord Jesus as my savior. But as a young girl, and I'm going out with John. Um, I, I I kept pushing those thoughts away to the back of my mind. Every time we went down to visit John's uh, brother and his wife, Billy always finds some excuse to corners. us and witness to us. So many times we used to stand outside the door and say, any excuse, we weren't going in. We we're just going to send the message and back out." Again. But Billy and me always the corners and they always witness to us. And I often look back and um, at the time, I knew a, a bit worried about it, but that was God just speaking to me. And um, that was the reason why I was been upset. So John and I, yes, we were John, um, uh, we, had our, we were married, we had a real family. And again, the end, this young couple, um, the whole world was in focus and we expected Uh, that we were in control of our lives, what we were going to do, where we were going to go, the people that we were going to see. That was our decision. God didn't come into it at all. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes for any one of us, that we think we're in control of our destiny, of our lives, because we're not. Um, And Yes, John had said about uh, we can and how God had taken her home. But one of the things that really spoke to me was um lady that was friendly with my mother sent out a week, and on the week she said, Jesus took her hand and his into the car come with me. Um, I drew great comfort from that. Um, I was angry, I was cross, I was cross with the world, I was cross with everybody, um, and I suppose John and I for the next few years just spiralled. Into the world that we should never have been in. Um, and we just wanted to drown our sorrows. That pain and that heartache uh, was just so real. Um, and even though that's over 40 years ago, it's uh, just like yesterday. And you never forget, nor do you ever want to forget, precious memories you have of that loved one. And um, I remember John's, grandma used to come over to me every, uh, she was a Christian lady, she would come over to me on a Friday, and we used to just to talk about Ireland. And that was a way of maybe dealing with my grief. But um, time went on and no matter how much we thought uh, we were enjoying ourselves, the next morning that heartache, that emptiness, that loneliness was still there in your heart. And then when John, uh, I could say then we had <coughs> another daughter, Judith, and then we had another big boy, Aaron. Um, I could see when Judith was born uh, and John how I could see a change in his life. He didn't want to go to the the places that we would have went. Um, It used to be Friday, Saturday, something like this, and then you were out. Um, And that always comes to an end. was I think maybe a myth of that, I always have this perception that Christian life is really boring, but it's not um, and uh, it was going two weeks after John was Sea We went to mission with Pastor Jack Anderson and Lackey. And um, I remember in his quoting words, we think heaven, what Christ, But do you know the most wonderful thing about salvation? Yes, there is a heaven on a hell, but when you stop and think of all the millions of people that is in this world, that my Heavenly Father suffered to speak to me and convict me of my sin, He sent His Son to die on the cross. For my sins. Such love, you wouldn't get the love of that in the world. Only God can give that love. And that night, I come home and I trust the Lord Jesus as my Saviour. Now, that is, say, over 40 years ago, He has been my rock. Um, He has been my anchor throughout life. And I mean, we all think that life comes in a box of chocolates with a nice big bowl on top of it. There's going to be the disasters and everything's going to be hunky dory. That is so far from the truth. Uh, if you haven't had storm waters, believe really, me, you will as you progress. You know, you travel through life. What I always uh, know, that whenever those storms come, no matter how severe they are, no matter how prolonged they are, I have a mantra. I have a rock that I can play to. And he has never let me down. He has always helped me through. And there have been times where you just think, oh, I can't it and he's going for the duty over my head and say, forget it, I've had enough. I guess we're allowed to do that. But then he says, hold on, Christine. this is a new day. It's time to get the you, it's time to get out of bed and face the world. And I do it would do you, but if I find myself in a sticky situation, I'm going to share a week or John, whenever, um, well, Bible College is another kind of example, whenever he goes to Bible College, I mean, I wasn't working, I had two small babies. Um, I can remember uh, the week before John was to go into college, um, he was supposed to get a grant and he was denied that grant. And I remember sitting back and all we have to survive is my family allowance and a week's pay. And I remember sitting, Lord, I'm going to uh, watch my family allowance and so I'll get my milk from my moment that they were farmers and I'll get my eggs from her and I'll get maybe some meat for daddy and then when we'll I was butchered uh, an animal. And I was busy trying to try and work out. Um, Life Um, how I was going to cope with all of this and um, how, you know, how we we're going to survive. And um, I remember one the Monday morning, Um, I was sitting in tears and I thought, Lord, how are we going to do this? And our doorbell rang, and it was Pastor Chambers. And then I you knew whatever, you know, something in the right the tears. And it's, how are you? You know, you put this facade on. And uh, I remember heart coming in and and he said, you know, he says, I was down in town today and it was a lady, and the Lord has really blessed her, and he wants, she's given me uh, money here, and I want to give this, she wanted to go to the John, <coughs> and um, at that stage, that was over 40 years ago, that was like 250 pounds. I think it was, I was just going away, I just could not understand, and I just thought, Lord, you, you know everything about us, you know what our brain means, and I can say, over those three years, he supplied our need, not my wants, but everything. I never starved, I never ran out of coal. I was my children, and we survived. Um, uh, Pastor Chambers, we were in Christendom Church, and he was just like our spiritual father. I had a morning and they always used to be counsel and wise counsel all over the years. Um, and then the Lord took us to my life.
1: Um, <laughs> that's normal.
2: <laughs> 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 and the Lord took us to Kyrae, and it's lovely to see you guys when well here, and uh, they can look back on many happy times, hopefully they can, uh, we were in Kyrae, and we had uh, young married couples, and they used to have some great minds up in the months, and, you know, so that's what the Lord.
1: Yeah, and then after, we want keeping keep an eye on a shot bigger after if we want to Kyrae, <coughs> We moved up to Armagh and I was in Armagh church sort of out in the ninth year and we were a wee bit unsettled. I had been out part time with um, the Islamic Gospel Association in Eastern Europe. And then we were at a meeting one night, Christian and I knew that ten pigs were sort of the illusion but we didn't know what God was doing with us. And then we went out a meeting one night when a uh, representative of SBA was there. He said these words, he said, if we don't get Bible teachers, we're going to have to close five Bible schools in Eastern Europe. And have had gone on a poem that night before me, and I came up home, and I've been thinking about this and praying about the Lord's will, and then I walked into the kitchen, Christine says to me, that's something you could do. I said it might be, but it needs to be the Lord's will. So we prayed about that, I applied to USDA at that time, and my health hadn't been great, and one day I got a phone call and the man that I had spoken to says to me, says, the counsellor here, and he says, they've asked me to speak to you, your health's not great. I says, no, it means it's not. He said, well, he says, we were just wondering why you're still alive. And I said, don't you worry about that, if you're happy for me to come. So it ended up that I think they felt that they would see how it would go really. So I went to the SDA and already uh, had a back operation at that stage of about three. But I remember just after I had a second back operation, I was with the mission at the time. And uh, I got a go and home two days before Christmas. And I was sitting on a chair, couldn't move, got depressed, couldn't read, couldn't pray. And I remember that was all over the Christmas period. It was absolutely terrible and the doctor, who was the old doctor, came out to see me and he said to me, he says, look John, I said, before you start, back, can I go back to the work? And that was of course Eastern Europe and he said to me, John, you'll never be back. At Eastern Europe or any kind of work, he says, we hope to get you walking. And that really, really struck me really badly, and I thought, what? So that was on my mind, I, I just couldn't come to terms. I loved Eastern Europe, I loved the people, I loved going out to the Bible schools. But that's the way it was. And I remember I had left with my Bible for a good while, couldn't pray, just this was a burden for me, I couldn't get over. And then the 1st a all-new month, in fact it was the first day of the new year, and for some reason I said, Christy, would you go and get me the Bible? And she went and brought in the Bible and opened the Bible and of course the Daily Notes, 1st of January and the heavens said I haven't finished with you yet. And I remember that day just personally with the tears. And just for me that was what I had been longing for. I didn't know that way ahead, what would it mean or anything else. But I knew that the Lord still had something for me to do. So, of course, when I'd gone the first time to Eastern Europe, they had said to me, Would you take on East European director? I said, I'd love to do that, but I'll we'll have to talk about it, we'll pray about it. And we were coming home actually from uh, sport at the time from the conference. And I was all of it and I was telling Christine what I was going to do. And We stopped them in an hour's drive to get out for a cup of coffee and I couldn't get out of the car. And uh, I knew something was wrong. We hadn't even got out as far as the boat. And it ended up that I just couldn't move. So we ended up then getting another back operation and uh, SDA had to be put behind me. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? So it was a church more local. To where we lived at the time came and said to me, Would you come and give us your time and do some work with us? I said, With my back's fire, it has taken me six months to actually walk to the village. I said, I don't know, it could be two weeks, four weeks. So I went to there to help them out and stayed four and a half years. <laughs> no children, talk, no youth work, no ladies, nothing. But we got all that going over that period of time and then God moved us on, Ended up in the iron ball, the sub-iron ball here tonight as well and we had a good time there, thoroughly really enjoyed it, but Ban where we are now has through a bit of a difficult time and uh, the Lord spoke to us about this and out of the blue of Ban and asked us would we come to Ban and I said look, come and see me so he came and saw me and Christine and I decided to pray about that because I was sort of thinking those two local, not the right time. But God made it abundantly clear that it was the right time and we did go. uh, And that's where we are at the moment and I suppose that's where i will be to retire. And during the time I was there, I had Peter for two years and that was an absolute blessing. And I know that you will be blessed. You will be blessed abundantly. Through this young man that God has set his hand upon. So that's really a, a very uh, widespread journey, I feel like. Lots of things we could go on about tonight. Christine's brother coming out of the iron photo drying and things. I answered the phone. told that he had passed away that morning just in his late 40s. I had talked to my sister one Tuesday night. And uh, we had our conversation, she finished the conversation, as she always did. And she said, right, Johnson, love you. i talk to you soon. I said, William, I'll talk to you very soon. The next morning, twenty past seven, my younger brother phoned to me and said, William's dead. I said, what? He said, William's dead. And you know what? I could hardly get my head around that either. The night before, talking about her. And there she was the next morning dead. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you about here. I'm going to finish. She called me one night. And she said to me, John, I have a great fear of dying. And I said, but, um, You don't have to have that fear. I've spoken to you over the years. You know that you need to be saved. And if you know Christ is your saviour, um, you don't have to worry about anything in particular dying. And I talked to her and she said, that's all right, son, that's all right. And about five or six weeks had passed and she phoned me one day and she says, John, I have no fear of dying now. She says, I did what you told me. And she said, I have no fear of dying. within a few weeks, she was out into eternity, to be sure, sat down, slept away. Folks, you know something we can talk all night about testimonies and how God leads us and how God blesses us and what God provides. All of those things are vitally important. But you know the most important thing of all? You see when God speaks to you, don't put it off. See when God challenges you about your soul, do something about it. Don't wait until another time because you might not have another time. If God speaks to you about salvation, your response needs to be, Yes, Lord, I come. And I'm coming down. Because now is the only time that any one of us are guaranteed. I've known people over the years, counseled people over the years who knew the way of salvation for umpteen years. And I buried them on you because they didn't. Trust Christ. Not mm-hmm. saved tonight. I encourage you to do that. Thanks for having us,
2: and your pets. Just one more hour. The of the no, <laughs> <not>. <laughs> because Peter and John, this was all done and arranged, and I was just told I was doing it. So they say I have to get a wee word with just to make sure that you know you're not hooked into these things. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah <I> am. <laughs>
0: Well, let me on your behalf say thank you to both John and Christine. I hope you have been challenged. Um, You know, John said something when he was speaking about when the Lord uh, was speaking to him about salvation. John said this. He said, sometimes God speaks to you and you don't really listen. Sometimes God speaks to you and you don't really listen. I know there's some folk who will listen in and maybe many times God has spoken to you sitting in the pew or, or listening online and you haven't come through for the Lord. You know, there's a wee verse in the Bible that says today if ye will hear his voice do not harden your heart. John has challenged you in this already and I don't want to add much more. But if God is speaking to you do not delay. Because no man knows what a day will bring forth. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're only guaranteed right now. So make sure, make sure you know where you'll spend eternity if you don't make it to the pillow tonight.